When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Orange and Brown Talk. I'm Dan Lobby, and joining me via the phone is Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing well, and uh, you are off to Mobile next week. Uh, you will be there Tuesday through Thursday as the Senior Bowl is taking place. And, of course, the Browns are not coaching this year. They declined that opportunity, but it's going to be a really important thing for them to pay attention to, as it always is, and for Browns fans to pay attention to, uh, because it's going to feature Baker Mayfield, uh, Josh Allen, uh, Mason Rudolph is going to be there, but he's not participating in the practices. There's there's some real quarterback interest um, in, in the Senior Bowl this year. You know what, there really is. I mean, if you look back to last year when Hugh Jackson was down there coaching it, and Deshaun Watson decided that he was not going to participate it kind of took the wind out of the sails a little bit uh for them being down there coaching without him being there so uh you know they're not coaching it this year but i they will be there but i still think that you know this just lends so much more intrigue and drama to being there i mean i can just imagine that it's going to be uh you know a media circus with baker mayfield there and now uh josh allen's getting all kinds of hype and, uh, you know, the rosters look really good. Yeah, and, and it, it isn't, it, it just, you know, last year, like you said, it was very much the quarterbacks that were involved were guys that the Browns weren't really going to take, or if they were going to take them, it wasn't going to probably be until day three. Um, you know, they're just, it lost a little bit of that sizzle, but even this year without them coaching, especially with, and, and we're going to get to this, uh, with, with Mel Kuyper's latest mock and, you know, a lot of chatter out there about Josh Allen and the Browns. Yeah, that's what one of the number one things that I will be looking at. I mean, I wrote this uh, yesterday that, uh, you know, one of the high-level NFL personnel people that I talked to, uh, you know, I talked to him a fair amount. I talked to him in 2016 uh, at the Senior Bowl in January of that year, and that's when he said the Browns have got to take Carson Wentz. Uh, he's the guy. Now, this was early on in the process when, you know, not everybody was in that camp yet and realizing how good this guy was going to be. Uh, you know, so I wrote a story back then with him saying, you know, the Browns will be set for the next 15 years if they take Carson Wentz. And, um, you know, I'm sure I probably got some, uh, comments about that. But, uh, but now he's, you know, now he is saying adamantly, that Josh Allen from Wyoming is the quarterback they need to take at number one. And I, you know, I thought, you know, he'd been telling me this for a while. I've been writing it in my Hey MKs. Um, but, you know, then Mel Kuyper comes out yesterday and puts Josh Allen to the Browns number one overall in his first mock draft. So, you know, my guy, you know, isn't, you know, necessarily crazy. I mean, people are starting to see something in this guy. Yeah. And, and he was kind of a, a 
you know, he was a big prospect too coming into the year, and then you know he had a, he had a tough year, obviously. But um, you know, coming into the year, that size, that arm, all of that stuff that that you kind of look for in quarterbacks, um, you know, that that's kind of what people were watching with him to begin with. What's interesting is I have the uh, the rosters for the Senior Bowl up, and Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, they're going to be on the same team. They're both going to be on the North team. So I, I think that actually makes it a little more interesting because. You know you're going to get to see them kind of take reps one after each other. Luke Falk is on that roster as well. Um, I feel bad for Tanner Lee from Nebraska that he's stuck on that roster because nobody's going to be paying attention to him. Um, but you know you're going to get a chance to see Mayfield and, and Allen kind of side by side working, maybe one after the other. Yeah, which is you know I I suppose that that they agreed to do that maybe because. Uh, the Texans have their quarterback, and they don't need to spend uh, that amount of time. I, I remember that the um, I thought the, the Broncos asked for Baker Mayfield to be on their team. I was surprised that they have both of them, to be honest with you. I'm surprised that they're both on the same roster. Uh, but maybe you know that's because the Broncos are seriously uh, looking at drafting a quarterback at number five, and and the Texans. Uh, you know, they're not drafting up that high. You know, I mean, they're just not because the Browns have their number four overall pick. So uh, they might just be letting the Broncos have the opportunity to look at these quarterbacks. Yeah, it'll, it'll be um, it'll be kind of fun to watch those two. <laughs> you know, and, and that's where the practices are important. I mean, those are the most important things when it comes to the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, as, as we both know, it, it kind of clears out down there after, after those Thursday practices. Uh, but, but that's when it's really important because you see these guys take reps. You see these coaches put them through drills. And, and this is that's really when you get the best look at these guys. Yeah, you know what? And that's when, when coaches and scouts are down there really looking at uh, the, a player's physical skills, his football acumen. Uh, you know, you, you take them out of the situations that they were in. And, of course, Wyoming is not, you know, a Power 5 team. Uh, they were He was, you know, quite often playing up against uh, bigger competition. And, and, you know, they had a lot of injuries. They lost uh, some very, very key players. So you kind of take them out of the environment uh, that they were in, and you just get to look at them sort of almost in an isolated situation, and you just look at the player, and it gives you an opportunity to look at their footwork, uh, to look at how the ball comes out, uh, just to look at how fast they process information, how they deal with teammates, do they go to the right place with the ball, and, you know, I really started to get a sense for Carson Wentz just really watching, uh, you know, watching him drop back and different things like that. And he did play in a pro-style offense, so you could see that his footwork was already good and he wasn't going to be spending a whole lot of time coming up that learning curve. So those are the kinds of things that you start to look for at the senior ball. And, and that's one of the benefits for Allen, too. He, um, you know, he, he was under center a, a fair amount, ran a lot of play action, um, things like that. Uh, when when he was at least based on what I've what I've kind of watched so far, but these are probably the two most I don't know if I want to use the word controversial, but they're they're probably the two quarterbacks that maybe make people the most nervous for different reasons. And there's a lot of people that look at Josh Allen and that completion percentage and just don't want anything to do with him, and then a lot of people that look at Baker Mayfield and that height and some other issues and they don't want anything to do with him. So it, it's not just those two guys; it's that they're the probably the two most controversial of the big four quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, every time, you know, up until this point, everything that we had been pretty much hearing uh, for number one and number two have been 
Darnold and Rosen, and it's just a matter of which one of those two do you like better. You know, this changes the game a little bit that, uh, you know, that people are really starting to, uh, you know, to take Josh Allen, you know, seriously as a top contender here. And uh, I think it was, I haven't seen his mock draft yet, but Daniel Jeremiah, a former Brown scout who is the NFL uh, network analyst, he may have put Josh Allen possibly number two to the Giants in his mock draft. I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't seen it. I, I at one point saw him talking about doing that. But, um, you know, so really smart football people are taking Josh Allen very, very seriously. And I think the Browns are going to have to take a good, long, hard look at him. Now, my guy uh, likened him to Ben Roethlisberger coming out of the universe, uh, coming out of Miami University. So, I mean, you know, that's pretty high praise for for Josh Allen. Now that uh, that music you you might have just heard was me pulling up his Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft on one of those autoplay videos. Um, so he does have uh, he actually has Sam Darnold going one, mm-hmm. and then uh, he's got the how about this? He's got the Giants taking Saquon Barkley number two. Oh boy, uh, okay, that's a surprise. Um, so he actually has, and and I. Th- I seem to recall him be, having Josh Allen a little He He doesn't have Josh Allen going till 11th. But oh, still, okay. I mean, still early first round or, or close to mid-first round. Um, so he's got him, it looks like his, maybe just kind of scanning through this, it looks like his third quarterback off the board, um, unless I'm missing somebody. So, yeah, and he's got Baker Mayfield after him. So, uh, I mean, he's still obviously high enough on Rosen that he's putting him early in the first round. So I'm sorry, on Allen, is, oh. on Allen early in the first round. He's got Rosen going to the Jets at number six. Okay, interesting. Very, very, very interesting. And you know what? Here's the thing, Dan. As of, as of right now, there is not one clear-cut number one quarterback. And it's been <laughs> like that recently. I mean, you almost have to, uh, you know, you look back over the last how many ever years, and they're really has been some debate over who the top quarterback is coming out in the draft. I mean, even though there was the Jared Goff, Carson Wentz year, uh, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of these kind of years, but when you look at this right now, there is not general consensus. Although Sam Darnold seems to be uh, the one that most people pick, uh, there, there is some diversity here at the quarterback position. And and I think so much of it is any more, you know, the gamble is on upside with all of these guys. We yep. haven't seen the polished passers coming out. Uh, we, we've seen guys like, well, I mean, all of these guys, you, you could look at them and say, you know, Josh Rosen is probably the most polished guy of the group, but even he has his, you know, red flags and, uh, you know, you don't know what his, what his ceiling is going to be. So, you know, Sam Darnold really fits that mold. It's all projection with Darnold at this point. So, you know, I, th- I think that's a big part of it. With these offenses, these guys are running in college, and the game is so different at the NFL level now that it's all projection, and we don't see a lot of times where there's real polished passers coming out. Well, I mean, all you have to do is look back to last year, and, you know, a lot of people did not take Deshaun Watson seriously last year in in coming out of the draft and you know that is somewhat reflected in the fact that he was the third quarterback off the board and when when all is said and done he may end up being the best in his class so it is hard to figure this out as you go along 
Or, or even Pat Mahomes. I mean, there were so much, there were so many unknowns about him too, and he was a really divisive prospect. Um, and, and he's a guy that could end up starting next year for a playoff team. Exactly. So uh, that class, we don't know how how it's going to work out yet. Nobody knows uh, who will be the best in that class. Mitch Trubisky. I mean, there were people that thought there were a lot of people that thought that Deshaun Kaiser had the most upside in the class. Wasn't the most ready, but had the most upside. So uh, that was a class that was. It was not as well thought of as this current class. I mean, boy, you know, you hear about this class and, uh, you know, people talk about it as sort of a generational quarterback class. And it remains to be seen if it will work out that way. But as we head into it, I mean, you just don't really know for sure which one of these guys will be the best in the end. And and a lot of it, too, is sometimes these guys... When they go when they go back to school when they're in school and we see them multiple years in college we we pick them apart you know they they make this initial kind of burst and this happened with Deshaun Watson I think you know he was he was kind of a take this guy number one and then he you know has the the year where he obviously beat Alabama but he kind of struggled through some interceptions and we spend their entire season picking these guys apart when in reality they're still good quarterbacks it's just sometimes it's hard to go back for that year yeah and the other thing is um, you know. Quite often, like you said, you know, guys will go back for for another year and they don't turn out to be what you thought they were going to be yeah. and they kind of tumble down the, the draft board a little bit. But now people aren't even going back for that <laughs> next year, you know. So, you you know, all that learning, that whole learning curve, it actually happens in the NFL because now you're just you're seeing guys with two years of starting under their belt coming out into the NFL. Yeah, and, and again, it's so hard because – all these offenses, even the offenses anymore that resemble pro-style offenses, they just, they're just they still so much faster. Calls are coming from the sidelines. It's just such a different game um, at, at the NFL level. And you just don't – I mean, you watch Josh Rosen play, and he looks like a guy that could transition to the NFL, but you just, you just never know because the game is so different. Right, the game is so different. And then, you know, now you've got, um, you know, people that are instead of trying to – you know, turn the the spread quarterbacks into something that they're not. You know, I mean, the the Texans really focused on trying to do what Deshaun Watson does well. So they're bringing a lot of those college elements into the pro game instead of just trying to make these guys, uh, you know, fit into a pro style offense. They're they're doing a lot of the college type things. So so there's an evolution in the NFL game too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've seen it with you know Kansas City runs a lot of you know, spread elements and, and things like that. Andy Reid, there was an article, I think Kevin Clark posted it, either on The Ringer or, or maybe it was a few years ago where he's working before The Ringer. He talked to Andy Reid and he talked about college elements kind of showing up in the NFL. It was, it was really interesting to hear from Andy Reid, who is this great offensive mind. Yeah, and, you know, if you're going to take a guy like that, uh, you know, it would almost behoove you to bring in, uh, you know, somebody that's in the college you know, atmosphere right now that can come in and, and bring in some of those, you know, really current elements of things that they're doing at that level. Um, so, so just before we move on from the quarterbacks, just to give everyone an idea of, you know, what, what the senior bowl is like, uh, kind of walk us through, you don't have to give us the whole step-by-step, but you know, what can we kind of expect to see and, and hear from your experience down there next week? Well, you know, I mean, we will get an opportunity to, um, you know, to talk to Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen and maybe even Mason Rudolph, like you said, even though he's not playing, maybe we'll have an opportunity to talk to him down there. I'm sure we probably will, uh, you know, and some of the other good players that are there. I mean, you have access to them on the field after practices. So there's two practices a day. 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, there's also a media day. I don't know. Uh, that might even be occurring before I actually get there. I should be there for practices both on those three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And, um, you know, try to have some video, um, you know, f- to send back on, on Cleveland.com. And, um, and then Hugh Jackson will be there. So hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him. Uh, John Dorsey will be there, and then, you know, Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, I'm hoping. You know, I don't know what availability is going to be like, but I hope to talk to them a little bit for the first time. And, um, you know, just as many people as you can, uh, you know, just to to get a, a good feel for the players and just how the NFL is viewing these guys. Yeah, I mean, it really is a more casual event than the Combine, but it's kind of become sort of as important as far as, like, the people that are there. Um, and, and the number of people from teams that are there, it's, uh, it's, it's, very, it's really interesting to kind of see everything that goes on there. Well, you know what, for a while it waned a bit. I mean, players were not showing up, you know, the, it was kind of hard to get guys to commit to it. But now that, um, you know, now that NFL Network has really embraced uh, the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of it's coming back. It's making a good comeback. And Phil Savage, uh, the director of the Senior Bowl, former Browns general manager, is doing a phenomenal job of of building really good rosters. And you know, it's starting to become important to go there again. I think when guys like Carson Wentz uh, participate in the in the Senior Bowl and end up going number two overall in the draft, in part probably because you know he put himself out there like that. You know, then I think you get guys like Josh Allen going there, and you get guys like Baker. Mayfield going there and uh, trying to enhance their draft status. So I, I think it's good. I think there's going to be a lot of excitement, and it is getting, uh, you know, it is getting more formal. A lot of these events, uh, you know, as, as you go along, I mean, they've just absolutely boomed in popularity. I mean, the, the combine is insane now. Uh, you know, they keep having to move it, you know, around because there's just so much media. Uh, but, you know, I think the same thing is kind of happening with the Senior Bowl. Um, and, and it's also worth noting that even when, you know, like last year, Kareem Hunt was there. And, and I think that's sort of when he kind of jumped onto some people's radars last year, coming from Toledo and, of course, a Willoughby South uh, guy. You know, he, he was there and he had a really impressive uh, impressive showing. And here he is, the, the NFL's rushing leader. Yeah, and again, when you get when you get TV involved, and you know that you can put yourself out there like that and get seen and get noticed, uh, you know, on NFL Network, and um, you know, I'm, it doesn't matter. I mean, even when the rosters weren't fantastic, it seems like everybody from the NFL still shows up at the Senior Bowl. So uh, you're getting interviewed there. Uh, you know, the Browns will interview a lot of players at the Senior Bowl, a ton of them. And it is really uh, their first exposure to these guys, and it is increasingly important. And, and of course, that's the other part of this quarterback evaluation. Um, you know, we've, we've said this before. There's things that we aren't going to know. <laughs> there's things that we aren't going to be able to find out about these guys. That you know, Teams are talking to them, and, and they're deciding if these guys can be the face of the franchise, and it goes beyond just what we see when we rewatch their games and what we see in practices and, and things like that. There's, there's so much that goes into it. So it, it's, it's going to be hard to get a read kind of on, on where this team is headed, I think. Well, and that's, the, you know, the, like you said, this is the first place where, you know, you start to get that character evaluation of a Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's got some, uh, you know, things in his past that, you know, we all kind of know what they are. He's got some issues that way, some character things that you have to know. I mean, is, is are any of these things going to be a problem? I mean, by this point, 
uh, in the year, I mean, it was pretty evident to most teams that Johnny Manziel was going to be a character problem. <laughs> and, you know, you really have to decide, uh, you know, is he somebody that you can, you know, work with? Can you rehabilitate him if, if necessary? Uh, you know, and then there are the Dak Prescott. So he was here at the Senior Bowl in, in 2016 as well, and he had a DUI before the draft, but um, from what everybody in his life ever said about him, that that was just kind of out of character and it wasn't going to be a problem. So you have to work really, really hard to try to find out, you know, can this guy, you know, carry a team and a franchise on his back? All right, well, you brought up Johnny Manziel, so we're going to transition to someone who tweeted at Johnny Manziel last night, a tweet that kind of took off. Uh, Joe Thomas, who has been enjoying uh, his his offseason so far, podcasting and tweeting at former Browns players and and different things like that. Um, still no decision from Joe Thomas. Uh, he, he's kind of towed the line that he's to- that he towed all season after the injury. Um, he was at the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards the other night. I know you put up a post today about that. Um, is there any sense as to where Joe is? I, I think from the outside looking in, everyone's saying, oh, Joe seems to be enjoying what he's doing right now. He, he's looking very, uh, very different these days, obviously, because the injury probably has hampered his working out. Um, is there any sense on where this guy might be leaning? Well, one of the interesting things that he said that, that one of my takeaways was, you know, it's not the, the torn triceps tendon that he's that worried about. He feels that that will come back. That's going to be fine. He said it's more so chronic back and knee injuries that he has to try to decide, can he overcome those? Can he get his back and his knee through one more season? And I think, I truly believe that if he does come back for this season, it will be his last. He really hinted around about that. I mean, it's the last year of his contract. And, uh, you know, my, my gut feeling is that he would like to try to finish out that contract. You know, he will make another thirteen point. Uh, $5 million this year. He gets a $3 million roster bonus coming up on uh, March 18th. So, you know, I think he would like to finish what he started if he can. And I also think that he probably doesn't want his last play to be one where he's lying on the ground with a torn triceps tendon. So I think if he can get his body back to where he needs it to be to just get through that season, to get through those 16 games and Hardly any practices because he really they don't make him practice that much anymore. Uh, but if he feels like he can rally that body to get through sixteen and he believes you know <laughs> twenty games or more, <laughs> um, then um, you know then I think he will come back. But if he does, you know he basically said, well, you know the Browns are going to have to uh, start finding somebody because this is the last year of my contract. I do think that if he comes back, it will be his last year. Yeah, I, I keep thinking about how I'm sure that he does not want his la- the last play of his career to be the play he got hurt on after all those years of durability and um, you know, not missing a snap for his entire career. But, you know, it was very, you know, he held a pretty long press conference with all of us during the season when he was talking about how hard it is to recover from games. Um, and then when I talked to him for the story I wrote kind of late December-ish, you know, he told me that he he used to take four Advils before he would go up for a press conference just to stand for that long. So uh, there is a lot that goes into this, and and the physical toll has been obvious. I mean, he barely practiced even in training camp, and and he obviously doesn't need to because he had a great season. But I mean, you can just see that physically, it it is really wearing on him. Yeah. So I, you know, I can't really necessarily 
read the tea leaves. I think Joe is doing a phenomenal job of keeping, you know, everyone guessing. And I think by now he probably is leaning one way or the other. Um, but I don't know really, what, you know, which way that is, except for, like you said, to say that, you know, knowing him the way that we know him after all these years, he probably doesn't want to go out uh, on an injury and he probably would like to finish out the contract. And, you know, maybe there was uh, some discussion about that when they gave him uh, the $3 million raise and restructured his contract in November, sweetened the pot to make him the highest paid lineman in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, for 2018. And so uh, I do think that uh, there, you know, there's great incentive to come back from a financial standpoint. And, um, you know, it's just probably one more year. If he can coax one more year out of that body, I think he'll be able to ride off into the sunset, uh, having had just a phenomenal career. Well, and, and there's the 0-16 thing, too. I'm, I'm sure that that isn't going to be a deciding factor. But again, I, I doubt he wants his final season, even though he wasn't around for all of it. I'm, I doubt he wants his final season, too, to be that 0-16 year. I, I think he'd probably love a shot to come back and, as silly as it sounds, maybe have a chance to win four or five games in his final season. Yeah, and, you know, the way that he was talking, uh, the way that he was talking at the Sports Awards show the other night, uh, you know, he really is very, very optimistic about what they will be able to add this offseason in terms of those four players in the first 35 and uh, having the $100 million in cap space. I think he's excited about the fact that they can really try to turn this thing around and win some football games next year. And he probably really would want to be a part of that. So if I had to make a guess right now, if you made me say what I think he will do, I think he will come back for this final season. What, what do you think, Dan? That, that's kind of where I'm leaning to. Just all of those factors. The you know, He doesn't want his career to end on injury. Um, he, you know, As long as he can get his body right. And this might be one of those things where maybe he comes out for for OTAs or whatever and, and has to test some things out and make sure he can get his body ready. Now, I don't think he'll be ready to play by OTAs, but you know, when, whenever he's actually ready to get out there again. Um, maybe he needs to give it a little test to, to see where he's at. So maybe this does play out a little longer than people expect. But I do think, I just feel like if he were going to retire, he'd have said it already. You know? Yeah, and you know, and, and here's the other thing uh, to consider. Um, you know, the streak is over now at 10,363. So the streak is over. If he had to, you know, sit out the first few games of the season while he tries to, you know, rehab and come back strong from from the torn triceps tendon, you know, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he, you know, were able to come back at some point in the season and just kind of finish it out, finish what he started, finish his, um, you know, finish out his, his contract. Uh, you know, maybe it's something where he doesn't even necessarily play all 16 games and start every snap and have to be the iron man that he was. You know, maybe they can kind of see what life is like a little bit without him and again and, you know, transition someone into that role. So, uh, you know, maybe they will draft uh, his heir apparent in this draft and, and you know, let him kind of play a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he could come out at the ends of games now and, <laughs> and things like that as well. That right. that could help. Um, yeah, d- uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does, but I, I just feel like, not to play arm ch- armchair psychologist here, but I, I feel like if he were going to hang it up, if he had decided that, then we would know by now. I, I think it's still very much up in the air, but I would be a little surprised if it was, in fact, over. Well, the other thing to consider, Dan, if the, let's just say, for instance, they draft 
uh, his replacement in this draft. Who better to coach up and spend a year with that player than Joe Thomas? You know, I mean, now he may end up, you know, coaching someday or helping out someday in that regard. But if he were around for to spend one year uh, with that guy, I mean, that you know, that can make a career for someone uh, to have those kind of tips and that kind of coaching from Joe Thomas. Exactly. <laughs> and, and if, you know, if you give him a veteran quarterback, that might be, uh, I mean, he's been lobbying for Drew Brees. That's the way to get him back, right? Figure out a way, to get, Drew, <laughs> figure out a way to get Drew Brees to come up there here. There you go. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for, uh, for this edition of Orange and Brown Talk. Uh, we will try and, uh, figure out a way to get to a few of these next week uh, when you are at the Senior Bowl and, and try and get some some podcast reports from you as well. I know you're going to be busy uh, running around all over beautiful Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> well, I will be, but you know, as you know, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to be there because there's so much going on and uh, it's a lot of hustle and bustle and it's a lot of craziness, but hopefully we'll have some good stuff for you next week. All right, that'll do it. Uh, for Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody.